Good morning. Um, my name's Abby, and I'm part of the team here at HTB. And today I get the privilege of kicking off our new sermon series, which is called A Life Lived Well. Sounds quite good. Who doesn't want, you want that? Yeah? Okay, we're gonna kick it off. And um, we're gonna be setting up camp in the book of James. And today, really where I want to um, look at is the area of our mindset, our perspective, and unpack what James has to offer us in this very important area of our lives. Today, I'm gonna speak about how to be a resilient person in challenging times. And I have this picture of all of us, and this is what I feel like the Lord is gonna do, is as we leave this building or leave the live stream today, I feel like I had this picture of all of us with our hands open wide, and the Lord was just filling our hands with whatever we needed, with tools to equip us, with comfort um, if we need that, and a way to kind of stabilize us as we go into our week ahead. So let me read for you our passage today, which is James 1, 2 to 5 and verse 12, and it'll come up on the screen. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. Verse 12. Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. What's really good about the book of James is that as an author, James is like, he doesn't mince his words. He's really practical. He's really clear. And so we don't have to dig too deep to find hidden meaning when we're looking at this. And so what I wanted to do is to start by picking out a few immediate things that we might see in these first two verses um, that will help us define challenging times. So Carla's gonna stick them up on the screen. Verse two says, whenever you face. We put a lot of things in place in our lives to manage crisis, avoid it really. We sanitize things, we do risk assessments, we take out travel insurance so we don't like have a big payout if something goes wrong. You're supposed to go to the dentist when you don't have toothache to make sure everything's okay every year. But the word here for face trials the picture that James is painting is more like to fall into, to fall upon, like face plant. He's saying that even with the best planning, trials are unpredictable and inevitable. And that's why he says that they'll come in many kinds. Right at this moment, I think it's quite safe to say every single one of us in this room is probably facing something challenging in our lives. It, it could be anything from like lack of sleep, financial problems, family breakdown, health issues. And I don't know whether that brings you some sort of strange comfort that we're all in the same boat facing something. Maybe it brings you no comfort at all. But when I look at my life, so we moved here from Malaysia in January 
um, just passed after living there for the past eight years. So this is our first winter in a decade, nearly a decade. Please pray for us and our heating bill. I'm a bit nervous. And when we moved um, over to London, we changed jobs, moved countries, moved house and had a baby all within six months. Um, and when we got to London, I couldn't start work because I didn't have any daycare for our son. And so I find myself sitting at home alone in a new city thinking, what have we done? Like, why did we leave Malaysia? Why did we leave all our friends um, and leave our jobs? But it's not as if when I finally got to go to work and got daycare that all of my challenges and trials just disappeared. Even if you've had a relatively fortunate life, life is still hard. Right now, we are facing, as a family, my grandmother has dementia. And so I'm trying to figure out how do I be a good daughter to support my mum as she looks after my grandmother. And that's like the big things. But there's also the smaller things, which is like the daily commute in London. That's a challenge every now and again. You get there and there's no lift working and you've got a pram and you're on your own. So this is bad times. But what's really interesting about this passage is that God doesn't save our testing for life-alteringly huge trials, but he will use them in many kinds. Then we get to the next verse. It says, produces. Because you know that, it, um, that your testing of your faith produces perseverance. And I'm really glad we get to this point. Otherwise, the whole thing's been a bit demotivating so far. But this is where trials take a turn for good. James says, you know they're going to happen. You know they're going to be unpredictable. But there's hope because there's pain. There's purpose in your pain and in your problems. One thing that really caught my eye in this verse is this bit. It says, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. And I suppose I was thinking, do I know that? Like, do you know that? Have you or I experienced or seen in someone else's life them going through a challenging time and it producing perseverance? God's promise to us today is that when we live in this way as a person of faith, he won't just produce in us perseverance, but he will make us more complete, more whole, and he promises to bless us. So how do we do that? How do we be resilient in challenging times? The first thing, I want to suggest from this passage is to rejoice. Verse two says, consider it pure joy. Resilience in trials looks like considering it joy. And that is really difficult to take. I think that feels like a hard response and actually feels really insensitive to everything that we have seen going on around us at the moment. Another translation says to count it all joy. 
And so often when we look at our lives, we look at them like profit and loss. We look at winning and losing. We look at battles and blessings. And you know, when we face something difficult, like we calculate what we have lost because we have been through it. But it's not like the sum of our trials equals lack and the sum of our wins equals joy. James isn't saying here to have joy in spite of your trials, but because of them, because of what God is gonna do in us as we persevere through them. Joy isn't a requirement of Christian discipleship. It's a consequence. In the fourth century AD, not that I was there, there um, was a technique um, to purify metals, silver in particular. And so before silver was processed with um, chemicals, the silversmith would take a bunch of silver, put it in a pot and heat it up to well over 2000 degrees Celsius. Um, And what they would find is as they did that, the things that were hidden within the silver would begin to oxidize, rise to the surface. And then at that point they would burn off or the silversmith could like get rid of them. This process is called testing to separate impurities from the silver. Trials put the heat under us. And just like this picture of silver, trials reveal what we're made of. James says that they reveal what our faith is like. But testing doesn't have to stop there. That process existed to like, identify the impurities, to remove them, and then to make the silver more pure. And so a silversmith would repeat this process over and over again until it was tested. And the way in which he would know that it was sufficiently tested is by being able to look down at the silver and see their reflection in it. Trials exist so that we are changed more into the likeness of the one who created us. When we receive them with trust and we endure them with wisdom, we can count it joy for what God is doing in us. The second way that we can be resilient in challenging times is to rely. Verse five says, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault and it will be given to you. Do you remember the last time you took an exam or did a test? You know that feeling when you have to like put all your books away, revision notes away, and you enter the exam hall, and you have to like walk up the aisle to an individual desk with a blank paper on it, and you've no idea what the questions are gonna be. And then like the room goes quiet, and the teachers stop making eye contact, and it's just like you, your answers, a pen, and a clock. Anyone else getting like sweaty palms just like thinking about it? The one thing that tests and exams all have in common is that you have to do it without the teacher's help. You're on your own. But with God and his tests, he has a different set of rules. We were not created to face the trials in our lives alone. 
You know, when you go through, when we go through something difficult, when something happens or doesn't happen to us that is testing, God doesn't take a step back from us and like see how we cope and then like grade us on what we do. Psalm 46 verse one says that he is an ever present help in times of trouble. When things are hard, God is not absent. He's not distant. He's present and he's close. And that's why James's instruction to us in verse five says, like, ask, ask for what you need to get through this. Verse five, in other words, can be, if you don't know what you're doing, if you don't feel like you have wisdom, pray to God because he loves to help you and you'll get his help and he won't rub your face in it. We can ask boldly without a second thought. So what would it look like if, we were people who didn't pray for the removal of a trial, but instead we were people who prayed for the wisdom to make the most of it. God wants to give us wisdom to get through trials, probably because they're inevitable. But the other reason that I think God wants to give us wisdom is because wisdom can be shared. You know, one of the things that I love the most about this church is I, I think we're not like afraid to kind of address and engage with the realities of things we face in our lives. And one way this is so evident and practical is through all the courses that are available to um, go to here. If you go on the website, there are so many courses. We have um, bereavement courses, tackling anxiety, money, singleness course, waiting for children, lots of courses around recovery. And these are all designed and written by people who have been through that. I find the courses so um, helpful to me personally because it's a bit scary to go to some of those things sometimes. But when you're on it, and you're like in the thick of something difficult and you're in the course and you meet people who are going through the same or even better have been through it and have walked that path already. You just don't feel so alone. You get so much support. Sometimes I think reliance on God also looks like relying on the wise people that he has put around us, our church family. It takes honesty and vulnerability to attend sometimes. But what we gain as a community is that we grow in wisdom and resilience. And then the final thing that helps us to be resilient is refuse to quit. Verse 12 says, blessed is the one who perseveres under trial, having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. Note, this does not say, blessed is the one who fights the hardest, or blessed is the one who finds trials easy to overcome, or blessed is the one who's the strongest. Instead, the promise of blessing is given to the one who refuses to quit. Perseverance is made up of two words in the original language. It's made up of hippo, which means under, and meno, which means to stay. To stay under, to endure. One way we do this physically is through sport, through exercise. If you've ever been adventurous enough to do a squat, 
you will know that when you hit that tension point and your muscles are engaged and they just start to burn, that's when it's doing the good stuff. Time under tension strengthens our muscles. And what's true in the physical can also be true in the spiritual. You know, trials are gonna slow us down. They are gonna stop us in our tracks. They're gonna disrupt the normal rhythms of what we thought life was gonna be like. But time under tension strengthens the muscle of faith. So instead of trying to escape, we should try to endure. Verse two says, the testing of our faith is to produce perseverance. And so I, I was thinking about this and I wonder if, what if God doesn't necessarily test our faith with the harshness of a trial, but instead God tests our faith with time? Like how long can I believe and keep on believing? Verse four says, we must let perseverance finish its work so that we're mature, complete, and not lacking anything. You see, there's a link, a link between persevering and completeness. My good friend Ruth is in her early 30s and we spend um, with a big group of friends New Year's Eve together, like 2021 into 2022. Um, and after we were together at New Year's Eve, Ruth got a cold and that cold developed and eventually she was diagnosed with a condition called ME, which is like a chronic fatigue condition. And Ruth is someone who was working full time. She has two kids and husband and family nearby. She's social life. She was leading worship in her local church and she went from this to essentially being bed bound, unable to care for her family, unable to go back to work and unable to really like, get out of bed and do the normal activities of daily life. And the horrendous thing about ME is that there's no cure. There's no way to treat it, really. And what's really um, struck me about Ruth and how her and her family have persevered through this is that every time we have a conversation, Ruth always finds something to celebrate in her circumstance. Like I remember when she first began to celebrate, oh, I can finally, I could do like a lap of the garden. Or she was like, oh, I finally was able to like walk to the end of the road and pick the kids up from school. And she would say, oh, um, well, I've got all this time on my hands. Like, what are you guys going through? Like, what can I be praying for? Or saying, oh, I, I, you know, I'm spending all this time in bed. I'm reading way more. And um, this is what I feel the Lord's saying to me. And this is what I wanted to encourage you with. And I think that's what it looks like to be someone who's persevering, to stay soft, to keep loving Jesus and loving others when it would have been so easy to turn inwards. But Ruth and her family have been persevering through this for nearly two years. That's what it looks like to be one who's growing in maturity. Not to be perfect, but to be persevering with no end in sight. John Mark Comer says that trials have the potential to give us more than they take away. That they don't need to leave us deficient, but they can lead us to maturity and completeness. I know that so many of us 
are facing something challenging in the room online today. And if you are in the thick of it, if you are thinking, I can't get through this till Christmas, or I can't possibly live another year like this. For me, I know when I tend to think like I can't cope and I get overwhelmed and swallowed up with fear is when I think too far ahead. But perseverance is built just one step at a time. The author Anne Voskamp said, just one step in front of the other will make you another person, will move you to another place and will give you another kind of view. We don't need the strength to get through the next 10 years. We are asked to be faithful in today, to ask for wisdom in our next action, to ask for wisdom in our next thoughts. And when we ask God for wisdom, Trials will give us far more than they take away. Let's be people who refuse to quit because we serve and we believe in a God who lets nothing go to waste. Jesus is our ultimate example of this. Jesus faced the horrific reality of the cross. He turned to God the Father, asked for wisdom. He found the joy set before him so that he could persevere through the shame of the cross. Jesus isn't just our example. Jesus is our means by which we persevere. It's his kindness and graciousness that helps us endure. God loves you so much and he is standing right beside you with whatever you're facing today. Why don't we stand together? We're gonna pray and then we're gonna respond by taking communion together. And I suppose my prayer is that as we take communion together, perhaps for you that is that step of commitment of reliance. Perhaps during communion, you will feel the Spirit bring to mind things that can bring you joy, but also let's use it to remember that Jesus was the one who refused to quit for us. So let me pray. Heavenly Father, you are so good. And I thank you, Jesus, that you give us everything that we need, even when it doesn't feel like it. So we ask, would you draw close to us? We need you. And we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.